Welcome to the senior. We're, we're really grateful. So uh, it's been an exciting Sunday morning so far. If you were here last week, we're doing a, a series on gratitude and about uh, what it means to be grateful. And we kind of showed some examples uh, last week uh, about a city in the, in the area known as Colossae. In a, in a modern day map, you'd find that in Turkey. And so this city was this very special city in the Bible. But Paul, the great apostle, never visited the city and he never planted the church. Yet, he wrote a lot of great things about that church. And the whole essence of um, my understanding of it is you, you need to be grateful for what you have in Jesus. And there's a lot of uh, mystical things out there. There's a lot of strange things going on uh, in religion today. And, you know, our, our gratitude will be tested. And the story I'm going to share with you is about a man whose gratitude was going to be tested by a situation that we'll get into in a few moments. But to give you some background, uh, Paul wrote this letter, and in the letter, he writes to the church who was facing a lot of, uh, of serious uh, false-type teaching that were, that were made to uh, lure you in by just having knowledge of God, but living your own life, and how that is reckless and hurtful, and that is not the true meaning of Christianity. So he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace, and be thankful. You know, we're in the month of November, time everyone thinking about gratitude, Thanksgiving, the holidays, cranberry sauce, turkey, Uh, we're we're really, the whole community is thinking about, hey, what do we have to be thankful for? You know, we have to guard our hearts. With gratitude. The Bible says, guard your heart above all things because it's the wellspring of life. Everything that we know, our our emotions well up in our hearts and they can lead us astray or lead us to the truth. So we have to guard it. So Paul also writes this, be devoted or devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You know, in other parts of the Bible it says, you know, be grateful, be thankful always in every situation. That's sometimes kind of hard sometimes, you know. If you're fighting with your wife, it's hard to be grateful, right? Fighting with your husband, your kids aren't acting right, it's tough. But that's the calling of a Christian. So the city of Colossae, here's a map. If you don't know where it's at, this is modern-day Turkey. And Ephesus was a major city right there in my little dot that Paul had spoken uh, for a couple of years. And he had uh, helped make some disciples there. And they went back to their hometown of Colossae. And they started the church there. And so they end up going back to Paul, getting some help. And Paul writes a letter uh, to the church in Colossae. Here's a, here's a little uh, um, background into how the church began. Uh, it's not mentioned in the book of Acts, as we says. Paul didn't travel there. He didn't start the church there. He didn't visit there. He only heard of the church there. It was a small town just like Ventura County, just like Camarillo, just like Oxnard. Just like Ojai. It's a small town community, small town field. And yet they got a letter from the great apostle Paul. That's pretty cool. So in Acts 19, we know Paul was in Ephesus. He was talking, having daily discussions in the lecture halls of Tyrannus. He went on there for two years. And a lot of people, Jews and Greeks, lived in an area. They heard the word of the Lord. And we know that they heard the word of the Lord. And they came back to Colossae. A guy named Epaphras. And also a guy named Philemon or uh, uh, yeah, I was going to stick with that. Philemon came back. Uh, and here is a little close-up map of Laodiceas in the area. That's the church in Revelations. Small area. And there is Ephesus. So there's the roads that lead to there. And so we are going to talk about this little town and the situation. 
And so, here's how the church was planted. As you know, was, Paul was in Ephesus, that great city. Two men became disciples, Epaphras and Philemon here. They, they made it, they went back, they shared the faith with their family, their friends, their neighbors, and the church started, which was amazing. Okay? And Paul writes the letter to them and saying, Hey, remember, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear friend and, ser- and servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And you also told us of your love and spirit. This is so cool because it's disciples that started the church. It was just two guys that went back home and shared their faith with their cousins, their nephews, their aunts, their uncles, their mom, their dad. And it had an impact. It made a difference. So I don't want you to discount this time of the year where you're going to see your family, you're going to see your cousin, you're going to see your aunt, you're going to see your uncle. And you share with them last year and they weren't open. Well, keep doing it. Keep doing it is it has an effect on people's lives. They may have not been open last year, but you know what God can do in a year in people's hearts? A lot of things. So don't discount sharing your faith in your hometown over a turkey dinner. Okay? So here are the disciples of Colossae that are important, that are highlighted in the letter. It's uh, Philemon. He's a wealthy brother who owns slaves. There's the church meets at his house. There's Archippus. He's possibly the leader of Colossae because he's called a fellow soldier. And there's Epaphras. He was the messenger who was sent out to get help from Paul. And so Paul writes a letter back to the, the church in Colossae, which is pretty interesting. So here, here is the, the opening. There's no chapter. There's verses. It's a short letter. But uh, to Philemon, our dear brother and fellow worker. Also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. You know, the situation is this, in this letter. Paul's addressing a very sensitive situation. There was a, uh, a slave that was owned by uh, Philemon. And uh, Philemon had a bunch of slaves. And to be a slave there, is sometimes if you were highly skilled, you were given responsibilities and you can leave the town. You can here go to the town, here's some, here's some products, go and sell this, go and do that. And so his name was Onesimus. And so he ran away and stole, his, stole the goods and left. And he meets Paul the Apostle in Rome. So uh, here is Colossae. He goes really far away. So he'll go, I am never going to see my master again. I'll never see him. I'm going to run away. I'm going I'm to I'm go out there. Now, if you ran away as a Roman, uh, a Roman slave, there's some consequences that I'm going to talk about. But think of the situation. He owns a slave and he runs away. And then Paul helps him become a disciple of Jesus. And then Paul sends him back to uh, uh, Philemon. He sends him back to Colossae. So that's why this letter is written. And here is the situation of the Roman law, if you didn't know this. Slaves were allowed to buy their freedom. You were allowed to. If you, were, if you made enough money and saved enough, you can say, hey, I'm going to buy my freedom. That's awesome. But the head of a household could also execute you according to law. If the head of the household is found murdered, all the slaves die. Okay? So skilled slaves were given goods and sent on errands by their owner. According to what we understand here, uh, Onesimus was one of those slaves that he was highly skilled and he was sent out, but he never came back. Onesimus was sent on an errand and did not return. He went to Rome, which is very far away, and by Roman law, a free citizen could keep a runaway slave. And Paul was a free citizen. He was a Roman citizen. He could have kept him. Okay? But the Old Testament law says, you know, you're allowed to harbor escaped slaves. But Paul sends him back 
to the church because he becomes a disciple. He becomes a brother. What an awkward situation. This is extremely awkward. You're going, I don't want to go back to, even though we're brothers, can we be brothers in different churches? You know, it's so difficult for us to want to restore broken relationships. It's so hard in our nature just to avoid people we don't want to be around or we hurt or we sin against or we're embarrassed to see them again. We'd rather say, no, Paul, keep me here. I'll work hard. Don't send me back to Colossae. And Paul wants him to do two things. One, he wants to restore their relationship. But he's asking asking, um, Philemon here, He's asking him about something huge. He's not asking him to take him back as a slave. He's asking him to take him back as a brother. And that changes the relationship status. If I'm the owner and you're a slave, there's a certain order of the relationship. But if we're a brother and brother, hey, we're both the same before Jesus, before the cross. It's a different relationship. And that's one thing that Philemon's got to consider is, how am I going to handle this relationship? He's my slave, but yet he's my brother. You know, it's so hard sometimes for us to want to get close again once we're hurt. Atysicus, or Tysicus will tell us all, tell all the news about me. He is a dear brother. He is a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. So here's uh, Tysicus and Onesimus, and they have this letter, and Paul is sending them back. They're not doing it by email. This is not a text message. This is not a, you know, this is not, they're not Skyping Paul here. They literally, literally have to go take this letter, both of them, and go back to Philemon and say, here's the letter that Paul wrote. Can you imagine the awkward moment where Onesimus and Philemon meet. And he has his letter in his hand from Paul. Can you imagine and appreciate that moment of going, I ran away, I'm a disciple. Here's, here's a brother, I'm a brother. I'm a slave, I run away, I owe you money. Read, read that first. <laughs> He's looking around, let's make sure no one's coming to arrest him or chop his head off. Read that letter first. Can you imagine the moment that it must have been. And there are awkward moments when you have to face the person that you're, when your relationship has been broken. And there is an awkward... Sometimes you've got someone mediating, but there's still an awkwardness moment of trying to reconcile something that's been broken. You know, every year I try to have a deeper talk with my dad, and it's just always awkward. My dad comes from the old school. You keep things to yourself. Don't share things too personal. And I'm like... Dad, you know I'm trying to grow as a father and you know as a son. I appreciate what you've done for me my whole life. He's like, and he's like, he, he's like, he eats his food. Like he's not even listening. So, Dad, I just wanted to tell you how much I love you. Oh yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is a hug moment here. Maybe. Sometimes I go to my dad's. I go to a statue. And that's kind of the the moment. Just sometimes when you have trying to restore a relationship that's been broken, it's just gonna be awkward at first. And so this is the situation with Onesimus. He's a dear brother. And Paul's writing a letter. In a sense, he's writing a letter of recommendation for Onesimus to be uh, back with Philemon. 
Now, you know, Epaphras shows up in Rome and seeks his help, and he tells Paul about the, about the threat earlier. So, he, and so the letter comes back that way, and Anismus and Tysicus here carry the letter to Colossae. So the importance that I'm trying to get to your hearts is that you've got to protect your heart. You've got to protect and appreciate what you have in your relationship with God. Because when you lose that, it's very difficult to restore relationships. Because you go back to your old way of thinking, your old way of handling relationships, and most people just avoid people. Most people, especially in a small church like this, if you have a, if you have a broken relationship in this room, your best thing is to either leave this church and never get resolved, or just have awkward fellowship and avoid, and you sit on this side, and you sit on that side, and hopefully we don't talk in the middle. It's very serious that we, that we need to understand that we have to protect our hearts with gratitude. So he goes on in this letter. He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. You know, um, Philemon is, is very engaging. He opens his ha- house. He's hospitable. He's hosting people in his home. He is a brother who is all about God's kingdom. He's like, I love it. So his gratitude is going now to be tested because he had a slave that ran away. And he's come back. And he's a brother. And, and Paul's reminding him, hey, remember what a great joy you are to the church. Because you can be a great, awesome, encouraging person, but when someone hurts your feelings, you can go dark. Oh, dark 30. Like, literally. <laughs> you can turn into something else, someone else. When someone hits that deep core in your heart and you're offended, man, you go from being spiritual to being crazy. How do I know this? Because I live like this sometimes. I live like that. When someone hurts me, I go, ah! It's hurtful. It's painful. But i gotta, I got to see him every week. I gotta make it right. You gotta have conversations. You gotta engage. And that's what Paul's reminding him. Hey, you know, you are an encouragement. You're awesome. And he really builds him up here. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, you know, Paul is the older brother, Paul is the apostle, Paul has has, you know, church authority, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It's it is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you. And he calls Onesimus, because my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. You know, Paul here, he can say, you know what? You need to do this, because I say you need to do this. I, I have the apostolic authority to say this needs to happen. It's God's will and he does it. He appeals out of love. Because love is the most powerful thing that you wield in your arsenal as a human being. It is one thing you can control. It is one thing you can give freely. It's love. When you hug, when you embrace, when you open your heart up, it is a powerful uh, uh, strength that we all carry in our nature. And Paul is saying, I appeal to you out of love. Remember, Paul helped um, Philemon become a Christian. Paul helped him know God. And so Paul is now appealing on that, on that love to take back his slave Onesimus. 
So it's rooted in love. To receive back a, a man who has stolen and, and left, uh, it's an expression uh, for, of Paul and his love for Onesimus. You know, the only time he uses the word son is with Timothy and Titus. So I don't know who this guy was, but Paul really felt really affectionate toward him. He only called Timothy, who was working in him in the ministry, and Titus, my son. And here he calls Onesimus his son. Which I found very interesting. They, in a very short time, they got very close. You know, when you're open with your heart with people, you get close very fast. You bond very quickly. It doesn't take long for two people to know each other in a week. You're going, here's, my, here's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's a good friend. Because you're opening your hearts to one another. And that's what Onesimus did with Paul. And Paul calls him and refers to him as his son. Because I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. How many people can you say that about in this fellowship? He is my very heart. This person has my heart. He is my heart. He is my very heart. How are your relationships? How do you treat each other? Is it with gratitude? Or do you have a list of, well, he's done this, and she's done that, and I don't know about this, and i got to keep my distance, because they get off the reservation sometimes. How do you treat people? This is a guy that did the wrong, he wronged Philemon, he wronged him, and he's sending him back. I would have liked to keep him with me, so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in change for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. So that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. You know, the most powerful thing you can do as a, as a person is that you voluntarily do things for God. And that was Paul saying here. That you want to do things. That you don't have to be ordered to do things or called to do things, but that you want to, not have to. And I think too many of us live in the I have to world spiritually. Because we're not grateful. Because when you're filled with gratitude, it's I want to, not I have to. I have to give my contribution. No, you don't have to. I would hope you want to. Oh, I have to have, I have to get with this brother. I would hope you want to get with that brother and restore a broken relationship. You know, I wanted to be involved with Marty and Kathy in their, in their talks. It was awesome. It was encouraging. And it came to a great close. We had a great time last night. Mike and Connie were there. We had some laughs. We had some tea. We, you know, we had some talks. It was, it was amazing. And I loved it. And I'm so grateful for their friendship and their partnership in the gospel. Um, here is a great uh, account of this letter. And it's really challenging this, the man's heart. You can tell that Paul is pouring it on. Paul wants him to know, I love you. You've got to show compassion and gratitude for the situation that Onesimus has found himself in. Can you imagine Onesimus where he's probably shaking in his boots? I mean, he could be ordered to death. You can kill You can kill him. He's unworthy. He's untrustworthy. i got to kill him. But now he became a Christian. So do I hold his sin against him? That is the question. You know, Paul is requesting for Onesimus to be freed to help with the gospel in Colossae. He's not just asking him, hey, take him back. I, I, I encourage you to free him. To make him a brother. He's hinting, so hey, more than just take him back. More than just say, okay, I'll take you back. Get to work. He's asked, Paul's asking for more than that. You know, to do that means that you have to sacrifice financially for the gospel. Because they were a high commodity. Slaves, especially skilled slaves, were expensive. They weren't cheap. 
because they were valuable to Roman households. And so Paul is, is requesting, hey, this guy is awesome. He can, he can work for the gospel. And for the gospel to be spread, there's going to require financial sacrifice. And a broken relationship between two people needs forgiveness. Is there anyone in this room that you need forgiveness from? You need, you need to check your heart. Is there anyone in your family that you're going to see on Thanksgiving that you need forgiveness from? There's always that every year. Every year I always got to restore a relationship in my family with somebody. Uh, it happens because it's broken. My younger brother and I have an awkward relationship. I love him, but he's chosen things that I'm totally against. And it's hard having fellowship with him. I, 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 I'm like, how can you do this to yourself? You know, I don't understand. And we're giving these little, how are you going to see you, bro? Versus the full embrace brother. It's just awkward. And I love him so much. So I, that's one for coming up in a few weeks. I have to restore a relationship that is, that is broken, at least on my end. Because I broke it on purpose, you know. I didn't, didn't, didn't fellowship very well with them. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would me. Well, what does that mean? Paul wasn't a slave. Paul wasn't under, under his command. Welcome him as you would me. In other words, take him back and free him. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this one. I'll pay it back. What a relationship. He sinned against you. He stole your money. I'll give it to you. How much does he owe you? I'll give it. Because the relationship means more than money. It's more. I'll pay it back. Not to mention, you owe me your very life, by the way. <laughs> I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. More than I ask? Paul's expecting him to free him to, sp- to spread the gospel. Don't lock him down as a slave. Set this guy loose. Set him loose. That's what gratitude does. Yeah. I love the spirit of this letter. Charge it to me. You know, there's an old college coach a couple years back. The, the reporters are writing terrible things about these college players who aren't paid by, by anybody. They, and they made a few mistakes. And the reporters are, are really making a, a big fuss about certain players on the team. And, and they were really nasty. Really nasty with college players. They're not paid by anybody. They're just students. And the coach and the press conference sees the reporter in the audience. He says, you want to write an article that's nasty? You write it about me. I'm a man. I'm 40. You write about me. You leave them alone. And he's just going after the reporters. How dare you? Same with Paul. Charge it back to me. What does he owe you? I'll make it right. Don't worry. I'll pay it back. This guy is your brother. Paul will take on a debt that was caused by Onesimus. Paul applies a sacrificial principle in relationships. I'm willing to lay it down financially. I'm willing to lay my life to risk my reputation. I mean, Paul is risking a lot for a former slave. And you can think, does this guy even have character? And Paul is putting his reputation on this guy. You ever done that where you vouch for someone and they blew it? I've done that. This guy's awesome. And he showed it. I was like, he wasn't so awesome. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't think I said, I'll pay it back. I was like, oh, sorry, I'll send you a better one next time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I would say. Paul applies a principle, puts his name on the line, and he asks him to refresh his heart by taking him back, not as a slave, but as a brother. The relationship. That's what's important. At the end of the day, all we have in, in God's kingdom is our relationships. That's what we have. That's why we, that's why we honor them. That's why we're so close. That's why when people come to our fellowship, they're amazed that we know each other. Like, you guys know each other. Yes, because we stress the scriptures about relationships and how powerful they are and how meaningful they are. <clears throat> and begs the question, how are your relationships? If we can cue the lights real quick. We're going to watch a little video. From the sound. This is a very. This, is, this might cause allergies. Be careful. Sound. How easy it is for us to forget what it was like. when we were once family.
this forever. <laughs> I love those videos. You know, it emphasizes where are your relationships and which ones are broken. Maybe your marriage is broken. Maybe there are things that no one else knows what's going on, but you know it's broken. You say it today, my marriage is broken. And it needs repair. And it's only going to get repaired with love. How are your relationships with each other? How are your relationships with your immediate family? That you may see this coming Thanksgiving. How are they? Usually what happens when there's broken relationships, sin is usually involved. Usually is the culprit. Understand that. And they look like this. It's bitterness and then avoidance. It's resentment and lack of forgiveness. And holding grudges. Those are some just some basic symptoms of broken relationships that need to be repaired. That's why we have to remember what God has done for us. If you expect God to forgive your sins every time you pray, why don't you forgive the sins of someone who has sinned against you? And we forget that. And we go to God and we say, God, I'm sorry for hurting you. Sorry for treating your your kingdom the way I have. And yet we don't reflect and look at our relationships with other people that are in shambles. And so we have to look at that and really consider that. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the do moment of the lesson. I want you with all your heart to repair any relationship that is broken as best to your ability. Sometimes they don't want to repair on their other side. But to your best of your ability, you do your part. You do your best to repair it. That's all you can do. That's all call God calls you to do. As we've seen God work powerfully through these kind of discussions and talks in our, in our ministry, in our discipleship times we get together, these are powerful moments. And you may have an opportunity this holiday season to have a conversation with a parent, with a brother, uh, with a brother in this room, with a sister in this room, maybe even your own marriage this afternoon, this evening after you watch The Walking Dead. You may want to go, you know, it's time for us to have a talk because I've been a zombie in this relationship and I'm sorry that, you know, I've not been among the living, I've not been encouraging. You know, it's one of those talks you have. Whenever Karen says, can we talk? I always get like, whoa, is this about something very simple or complicated? You know? I, I, don't, I, always, I always get all freaked out. We have to have a talk. I'm like, did, did I do something? What did I do? Did I mess up? What, you know, what happened? And, I, and I come in like already defense is like, dun, dun, dun. And no, it's, it's so like that. And it's hard for me to go, oh, it's, oh she wants to know if I, if I can go shopping. Oh, yeah, I love going to Costco. <laughs> You know, but when you say we have to have a talk, it's that. And so I'm always in a state of always in a state of insecurity and panic when someone says that to me. And a lot of it because that's how I grew up. When you were called, you were busted. You were always busted. You, you, you weren't called to get a hug. You weren't called to get encouragement. You were always busted. So when someone says I need to talk to you, I always think in my heart, oh, I'm busted for something. I don't know what I did. And then my dad would inform me what I did as he's pulling out the belt and whipping me. So it was always that way. It never was not that way. So when Karen calls me, that's what happened. And there's a schema that John Louis talks about. I have a schema that says when you want to talk to me, I think I'm busted. Because inside my heart, I'm broken. And God is repairing me every day of my life. 
He repairs me. God wants us to repair our relationship. So do your best to repair any relationship that's broken to the best of your ability. Thank you for your time.